Andrew Silver of Freight Prodigy is running the hottest brokerage in Chicago. KNL Freight doubles down on data analytics and financial services. Autonomous vehicles, crowdsourcing, drones, and yes, even humans are all seeking a place at the last mile table. Authenticating the supply chain, Bonafide's blockchain solution to counterfeiting. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. I thought you'd never get through that. Yeah, that was... Wow. That's five headlines, right? No, it's four, but there, there's very um, multi-syllabic. Wordy headlines. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, whoa, look at the amber color of my Rocktoberfest. From Hudden and Smith. That's right. The geology-themed uh, Chattanooga Brewery. They've now become, I have to say, they've won me over. They're my new favorite brewery in Chattanooga. Well, th- you know, I've got something that oh, w- just wins talk- me over week to week. Bell's too hard at Dale. Shocker! Out of, out of Comstock, Michigan. It's the it's the the yang to your yin. It's the it's <laughs> is the, that what it is? It's the center around which the entire solar system orbits. It is the center of your universe, clearly, JP. And it's great to be here with you as we uh, circumnavigate the the universe <laughs> of freight. I see what you did there. Oh, thanks. That was a good transition, right? Uh, well, and a couple of uh, really cool articles uh, as you uh, of, of yours again this week, uh, as you uh, kind of you know perambulate. Is that the, a good word? Yeah, as walking you, around, like, make your way yeah, yeah. through various uh, industries. Yeah, various players in the industry, uh, right? Whether they're brokers, brokerages, or um, freight forwarders, or what what have you, um, cool startups in the freight industry. And I really thought that this was a, a cool, like a, a couple of podcasts ago, we, we did a human interest piece of sorts when we featured Kelvin Beecham, one of right. Freightwave's investors, right. the Jets offensive tackle, uh, maybe um, gives some people a little bit of a reason to cheer for the Jets this year. Yeah, but yeah. this is a human interest piece of sorts. Kind of, kind of, kind of, yeah. So, um, Andrew I the- Silver's Freight Prodigy. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to talk to Andrew Silver. Yes, that Andrew Silver, the son of Jeff Silver, the, found, the founder of Coyote, Coyote Logistics. Yeah. Who started Coyote um, started it in 2006, sold it. sold it in 2015 to UPS for $1.8 billion. That's billion with a B. Yeah, um, you know... Huge, hugely respected guy in the industry. Um, really, kind of, you know, he was, you know, like Paul Loeb, one of the uh, the executive uh, the executives from American Backhaulers. Anyway, Andrew, yeah, he's a cool, cool kid, right? He's twenty eight years old. Graduated sounds really cool. Graduated from college about six years ago. Started brokering loads at Coyote. Uh, Christmas break of 2006 when he was still in high school. He was he was 16 years old. Um, you said at the tender age yeah, of 16, yeah, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Tender. And so now, um, you know, he, he worked for Coyote up until they sold to UPS, took a break working for a shipper, tendering loads on, on, the, on the shipper side 
while his non-compete was, you know, in in play. And now that it's over, he joined up um, with a fellow U of M alum, right, Matthew Vogrich, who actually played basketball at, at Michigan. Um, a little won, bit, right? Well, I mean, he 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 won the Six Man Award. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. He was, oh, I mean, played, he was a good bit. Yeah, he was a a good contributor um, to the team. Um, had a lot of positive things to say about John Beeline. But anyway, like it was cool. You know, I was I was actually at Michigan when Silver was there um, as a grad student. Yeah, uh, I wanted to add too that just like it, this is your piece. You tell us about, give us the overview. But I wanted to say in reading your article. Um, like uh, there, there was this infectious kind of uh, enthusiasm oh, yeah, and passion yeah. that you get from from reading about uh, um, Silver and Vogridge. Andrew Silver, yeah, and and just this like I almost wish that early on I had been able to find like sort of an industry that I was like you know so passionate about yeah, from a competitive yeah. point of view. Yeah, the way that it I sounds know. like he did. I know it sounded so fun. And so energetic they like literally were saying like our mission is to outwork everyone else in the industry our motto comes from uh michigan football coach jim, jim harbour attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind which and is hard to do it's hard to but... do but they <laughs> they they basically said like we're the most competitive people you'll ever meet and where they where they um Really? And yet I like the way I like the new way that Molo is approaching their competitive spirit. Yes, exactly. They're they're not channeling this into you know ripping off uh, carriers or gouging their customers. What they're doing, they're saying we or want... working their employees seventy hours a week or you know nothing yeah. like that. Yeah, no. What it's all about is just giving an unprecedented level of service and saying like if we say that we will cover a load, it will be covered. They're they're a year old. They did um, twenty over twenty million dollars of revenue in the first year. They're on a run rate to do seventy million in their second twelve months. I don't think they've lost a customer yet. They ha- yeah, they, they haven't lost a customer. Drivers with this huge respect. Yeah, yeah, and and you know Silver like knows that you know he he was talking to, when he was talking to me he was like look you know I get pissed if I'm at an airport and my flight gets delayed by an hour. Yet in yeah. our in our industry a broker will mistype a number and some driver will be sitting in detention for 10 hours and then the broker won't want to pay he's like it's infuriating the lack of respect he's like we treat we want our drivers and our carriers to love hauling for us so much that they only want to haul for us and And so they have a driver it's an interesting business model and there's a couple of interesting parts about it like so they have created this driver loyalty program where the more loads you haul for, um, you know, for Molo, the more perks you get, which is everything from like, you know, like free equipment, like, like, like tires and things like that to all different kinds of perks with other corporate partners. Um, and they also have, they like silver was saying that they've changed the incentive structure okay. for their brokers so that it, so it prioritizes service. So that, you know, it, the broker, when they're faced with, you know, a, a truck that doesn't show up and they have this moral dilemma about whether yeah. to register a service failure or yeah. to, um, you know, go the extra mile and, and, and get that load covered, that that's what they're trying to do. And so, you know, I thought it was super interesting. They have a really, you know, it's a really fast growing company. 
they're backed by, I think, a substantial group of investors that's allowing them to essentially... Um, have a little room to grow? I mean, well, they don't even need it. They're, they're nailing it, you know? Well, I mean, so the, so top-line revenue is growing a lot. You know, they're not profitable yet. Um, but they anticipate it in the coming year, don't and they? And what they're trying to do basically right now is like in the in this capacity-constrained environment when it's really hard to find trucks and there's a lot of service failures for on the on the broker side, they're coming in and saying, no, like, we, we got you. They're coming to the shippers and saying, we got you. Like, we'll take care of you. We will not fail. We'll honor our word. Yeah. And so they're still, it's this, this part of the cycle is a chance for them to really steal a lot of shipper customers. And a big deal, and I think this will also apply to our, our next K&L story to some extent, but um, from within, the culture that they're building within, the human element um, that, they, that I also gathered was that, you know, a, a lot of brokerages, you know, that you get a desk, a computer, and a phone and are told to get to work, as Silver you know, told you. Um, a lot of people obviously burn out from that because they just do the same thing over and over. Right. And there's, they're not growing. And he said, the joke is you'll spend 10 years in the industry, leave, and the only thing you know is how much it costs to move a truck from Chicago to Atlanta. Right, which is yeah. great for us because we hire ex-brokers <laughs> to help to help explain the freight markets to our but, audience. Yeah, but but in terms of like, doesn't person, sound like a very good way to in terms of you know, per, you know and yeah. they're ex-brokers, yeah. right? They do it for you know four, five, six, seven years, and they're done. Um, and you no, know, they really believe in investing in their people. They give them like uh, personal, you know, like sort of like public speaking training. Yeah, they try to develop like more skill sets, and really, it's you know try to get them away from just being locked into this transactional mindset. Well, in terms of, that's a fascinating story, and we encourage you to check it out on Freight Waves as always. Uh, another uh, interesting, uh, you know, not really a human interest piece exactly, but another uh, brokerage is uh, that, that you covered recently, K&L Freight. Yeah, so they. Uh, what so, an interesting. They're not just a brokerage. They have a brokerage arm. They started off yeah. as an expedited freight forwarder. Yes, it's they complicated. Added, That's they, kind of why they're the diamond in the rough. They so. added logistics. They added. They actually have tractors that you know tractor trailers that move freight. Whoa. Um, they added air cargo, but really, what what's what I found so fascinating about K and L is that they are the rare. 20-year-old transportation company that can, can succeed in completely reinventing itself with technology and data. You really don't see that. You see incumbent companies running base, totally. based on the... Based we, on, we talk about them all the time. Based on the experience and the instincts of their executive team. And then you see sort of digital startups who are trying to disrupt things by leveraging technology and doing things differently. It's kind of divided. Yeah. What you don't see is an, is an incumbent company completely changing, but that's what they did. They, they uh, start, they brought, brought in some data consultants that eventually became full time people that they added to their C suite. Uh, and they, they grew five X, they grew five X in the past two years based on what the data was telling them. They are avid sonar evangelists. They, they, they love sonar. And what's interesting about the way that they use the, the metrics in sonar is that it's not just about operationalizing it for, the, for themselves. 
They yeah. also use it to enhance their customer relationships. So like their brokers will go to a shipper and say, Hey, based on, you know, the turndown rates in this market, we think you might run into some trouble, you know, in the, in the week coming up. We're here for you. Let us know how it's going. We're happy to help any way you can, in any way we can. So like, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of, um, using the data, you know, for themselves, but also to keep their customers informed and to establish those closer, more collaborative partnerships, which I thought was like so impressive. Very, very unusual. The other super interesting thing and super unexpected, and I think the most groundbreaking thing that KNL is doing is that they actually hired a futures trader from the Chicago Board of Trade to help develop their business model for when um, you know freight waves and nodal and DATs freight futures exchange launches sounds surprisingly um, visionary yeah yeah i was like what like wow like, yeah and what they want to do they, they sort of recognize you know they they think that the pro they think that it's completely viable they think that you know the, the size of the market the volatility the way that um the volatility hurts both sides makes it really conducive to establishing a futures market. But they're kind of saying like, we know that these shippers aren't necessarily going to be comfortable participating in this financial exchange. So what we're going to do is provide advisory services to our customers. They hired a software engineer from NASA to build these models showing, okay, say, you know, you're a shipper customer, you run in these lanes we're going to model exactly which of the futures contracts you should buy and how many of them to hedge against spot rate volatility. We'll advise you how to do that and we'll also handle the transactions for you. So they actually want to be like a major liquidity provider for the free futures exchange. Really smart dudes. Like they so, yeah, they have like, like a partner. They have like doubled down and tripled down on data, technology and these really sophisticated services. It's such an interesting area of growth and such an interesting way for a transportation company to reimagine itself and to find, you know, hockey stick growth in an unexpected sector. Data analysts, NASA engineers, freight futures. Yeah. I know. Wow. I know. And yeah. this company was literally founded by a truck driver in 1997 and he still owns it. He's still the president, and he, cool he's just open-minded enough to like listen to these young people and, and listen to the data. Yeah, and uh, it, it sounds like for them it is all happening. Uh, well, we have another story that we're covering. Yeah, Brian, why don't you tell us about um, Brian Strait, our managing editor's story, um, about sort of the the continuing evolution. I kind of think of this story as sort of a roundup or a, a panorama of the the cutting edge last mile landscape, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. So I mean, because um, he does uh, allude to a number of things in a recent McKinsey report, which um, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, what, what are we going to do with last mile? Last mile still shaking itself out. Um, you know, what what are what are uh, consumers demanding, and what seems reasonable? Right. Uh, you know, w one of the things that I think is, is interesting are that, um, you know, 70% of consumers are content to receive their goods in the cheapest form possible still, right. while 23%, you know, a, a fair minority, but a fair size are willing to pay more 
for same day delivery. Um, I, and supposedly, I, if I can, if I yeah. can just interject, supposedly Amazon has hit the sweet spot in that by saying we'll give you two day for free. But I think the the sort of word on the street now is that that isn't really sustainable. Not only is it to me kind of not sustainable, um, I don't even think they've perfected it. I, I see it as being a sweet spot, right. two day shipping. But uh, as you and I have talked about, they don't, you know, Amazon is efficient and gigantic as they are. We've talked about it. They do hit their mark in the high 90th, mid to high 90th percentiles of consistency, except for during like last holiday season where they missed it by 10%. Right. And, um, and UPS and FedEx were worse. Uh, but, you know, hey, it's still a pretty high rate and it's still pretty cool. But, um, you know, I think the biggest trends right now are, you know, obviously, I guess, as this is a roundup, they're the, the you know, the way and speed at which goods are being delivered. Right. And one of the things, though, I think that we're, you know, that the, one of the talking points is like, well, uh, you know, is it um, our the, the effect to which drones are going to be a part of this of the story? Yeah, you and I have recently talked about this. We've we've had you know we've we've yeah we, we had a really other... interesting conversation with Britton Ladd, who's a sort of a retail expert about this. Yeah, what, what did he say? He's a fascinating dude. Um, he was saying things like he was strong about drones. He was like, uh, he was like drones. Like he was like, like what about weather? Like, what about when it's freezing? What about when it's too hot? What are these batteries going to recharge? On top of stoplights, some people say? No. Stoplights are moving. It'll be a distraction. Uh, you know, like, and, and, and what about wind? What about when it goes over 25 miles an hour? They're going back and forth. There's no way. They'll crash. And what about when they crash? You know, and just, you know, on and on. Like, And all of yeah. these things, like, suddenly you're like, whoa, these are very good points. Right. Uh, and the current drone technology, such as we're looking at, are these what did you call them? You said they're four. It's called yeah. the four quads. Yeah, uh, quadcopters. Quadcopters. Yeah, they're they're really sort of they're actually fairly unstable. They can get blown around. A they lot. can only carry up to five pounds. pounds yeah, uh, at a time. So that's a limit right there. Which is fine for parcel delivery, most parcels. But um, yeah. You know, but I just don't like so part of the article that we're talking about. Um, you know, said you know there's these these like there's the the autonomous the small little vehicles could could bring something up to curbside and then launch like as many as eight of these uh, drones uh, to go one to two miles and actually okay maybe you know maybe that is a a corrective to uh, some of Britain Lad's um, you know uh, critiques to some right, extent right, right. like what if you are well, if it's literally last mile or two you know because this is a term we use last mile yeah 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 but like, like what if like literally you had a general area or a van like ports or you know whatever it right, is right. and releases right. I guess. and with, as far as the weather goes you can always say like it's not available for the next hour right good point during you know, this rainstorm so with within given like limitations of wind variables and they that are in you know the vast majority of yeah. you know climates and situations. What I think is interesting, though, about um, drone delivery is that one of the most successful use cases that I'm aware of is zipline in Rwanda, which is using fixed-wing planes, not quadcopters, to deliver 
uh, blood to rural hospitals in Rwanda. And so the idea is like, okay, you're delivering a high value cargo that's very time sensitive in a rural rural area with very limited infrastructure. And you know what? The problem is, is that they have these roads that get washed out. These mountain roads that get yeah. washed out. And it takes like four, it takes like four hours each way to get blood to these hospitals, eight hours. So by the time, you know, it's not effective for an emergency surgery. And if like, if, if that's the current use case, that's really working and makes sense. Yeah. Why yeah. do you need drones in a city with density, with infrastructure, yeah, you know, you know, like for, you know, for, for non-valuable, non-time critical goods, like oh, I ordered a book on Amazon. You know, it's like a book. I mean, like, what about like what what kind of other goods could we be talking about? You know, I don't like, know. That's that's the main thing I order. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know that I would want my guitar getting flung through the air. You know what I mean? There's a lot of com- yeah, exactly. But, but, yeah, but like, one of the points too, I've seen these things. Um, and you know, you're talking about like they're they're winged and they're cool, and yes, they could be a solution for a lot of things. But the the, the kind of general kind of commodity we're talking about getting from Amazon, no, we're not zip lining these. No, like those things are big. They got the wings. They're gigantic. This is not the last mile delivery solution. That's that's all I'm. Yeah. Saying. No, 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 no. It's definitely not the it's last mile. It's a great mile. thing. But but know, it also it, it, what, I, what the reason I brought it up is because I think it raises questions about whether drones, like broadly conceived, are actually actually useful in dense urban areas for th- for for non time critical packages. Well, what non? What does non time critical mean to you? Like I mean, like okay. we're talking about all this if like one on, same if, day, two day. If someone non time, hey, but you know, a drone whatever. is like I need it in the next hour. What sounds good to me? Yeah, you know, but, but like, what do you actually need that for? Like you need that if someone's on an operating table and they need a tra- blood transfusion. No, like I mean, but like you if don't I, need it if if you're just like oh, I, I wanted to like I need play a wiffle, light bulb. Let's say I want to play wiffle ball with my kids, and I'm like I want to go get a a, a bat and 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 some wiffle balls. And we want to go do and and like I could you know drive to the Walmart, or I could just be like you know what guys, let's just like. Let's order it on Amazon and let's just let the, that delivery get here. We'll hang out and chill. It'll be here in a little while, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's what I'm that's that's what I'm talking about. You know, I that's, don't. That, you're gonna you're gonna pay a lot for that. I think. I think you're gonna have to pay a lot for that. That might be worth it if the cost of gas goes up and I'm having to drive several miles. What if I have to? What if I'm that that fee is five or ten dollars? Yeah, it could you be worth I mean? it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, so you, you go ahead, totally you, you have dinner, and then the wiffle ball is ready after that. Yeah, yeah, you know things like that. That would be cool. So that's time. That's time critical. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, yeah, 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 because if it was another hour, then daylight's running out. We can't play the wiffle ball. Right. We could have gone to Walmart and gotten the the right. goods. Right. Or wherever. Or you could play tomorrow night. No, because that maybe every company's going out of town. You know, like yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. situational. Here. I feel you. Yeah. All right. So we digress, sort of. Um, okay. Well, wiffle ball and blood transfusions—the two sort of poles, <laughs> time of, critical things. Yeah. Of of uh, drone delivery freight. Well, um, speaking of uh, awesomeness in uh, technology, we have um, a kind of a cool story. Yeah. We discovered this. Um, Blockchain startup. They started up this very year. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, January. They, it's listed uh, as uh, uh, January 
first, 2018. Bonafide. Or Bonafide? Bonafide. I think it's Bonafide, like Bonafide. Yeah. Uh, It's Bonafide. And um, the reason that I feel like this is a big deal is not that a startup that that hasn't even quite gone into their first round of funding is yet a uh, is a big deal even though their uh, team is uh, is 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 they've they've got credentials really? they're 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 industry experts they're, the nine people on their team so far have an average of 18 years experience in the industry an of, average of like uh, of logistics of, of legit just all the different like <laughs> variables of all the things they're touching on which you know addressing um how to build their their crypto tag tokens and you know like just like just understanding the finances and all of the different aspects that they're touching on it's pretty impressive and they're t- but the big deal is that they're 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 trying to be a solution via blockchain for a gigantic issue and that is counterfeiting of of goods of goods. Do, do you know how much uh how much is counterfeited annually of of just like goods, like I mean, I would say billions of dollars because yeah. it's 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 high, it's, it's always billion. high end. It's, it's oh, always it's billions. It's always high end stuff. It's always you know, uh, haute couture, fashion. It, it, those are those do fall it's, into it's this premium pharmaceuticals it's, is the biggest. Oh, that's pharma- two hundred billion alone Whoa. in pharmaceuticals. Yeah, are counterfeited every year. Yes. Wow, and uh, overall, it's over five hundred billion. It's a half a trillion. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's gigantic. And eighty uh, five. This is all. This is all verifiable. Eighty five percent of it, unfortunately, does come from China. It doesn't only come from China, but eighty five percent of these goods do come from China. And guess wow. what? The wow. U.S. has hit the, the hardest. Yeah. Why? Because we have a it's the biggest bilateral trade relationship in the world well that's true um but uh also just because we're the biggest consumeristic you know country in in the yeah and and us and china are you know tight we've got a thing maybe there is a little bit of a relationship (laughs) with the the trump administration yeah and the tariffs thing well maybe they have a point uh they do I, i was going to say i forget but um, but Bono, so they're looking to be a solution for for this, and and it's it's fascinating all the different aspects that this ties into. I know even like wine and like liquor. Oh yeah, it like, can, yeah, any like, kind of like like you said, fashion price. as yeah. well, like Nike, Gucci. You know, it could be fast apparel and like even like consumer goods. Like they make like fake iPhones, and often consumers we don't realize that we've you know, been hit with something counterfeit until we receive the good. And so the long and short of this is that, you know, they're trying to come up with a solution in which you would be able to, you know, uh, the, the, the crypto tag, they're talking about something that's, it's unique. It's a unique tag. They're talking about like, we could put a, a, a unique tag. The manufacturer would be inclined. They would be incentivized. They want to do motivated to do this 
because they would put a tag on their product because they want to they want to be able to verify it to the consumer. Yeah. And so they would put this this encrypted type of authentication code. Right. That's like a blockchain type of thing. And you like take a picture with your phone and then you ver- verify it or something like that. I don't know about the t- take a picture of it, but it would just be this unduplicatable code. Right. Now there's a lot of codes. There's RFCs and there's there's like just normal barcodes and right. there's other co- but this would be supposedly it would probably be a, some sort of like hash. Uh, it would you know, be it would like be so difficult to to, to copy to, or that, to, that it to would fake. be that, yeah that it wouldn't be worth the effort to try to copy it. So um, so then you know you could right. verify that actually makes a lot of sense. It, it kind of does. Um, now it is you know it's the standard stuff you think about with blockchain companies of you know they are going to start fundraising and it is going to be a token. It's called a Bona token, uh, and that is they're going to start fundraising in, in a week from now and it's going to last for a year. And the Bona token, you know, there's ways to get the Bona token and use it, and it's a part of the. Um, the whole method of, you know, will manufacturers give it to consumers for free to be able to start it? It seems like they're on the right track. Yeah, and there's been some interesting ways that those tokens have developed. Like, a lot of the times, like, they'll accept, like, you know, the payments and stuff will all be in normal currency, you know, normal currencies like U.S. dollars or Chinese yuan or whatever. But the token itself is just a utility token used to power the computations on the network and so it's not like it does the, the more i try to understand it the um as complicated and you know i think people like and schemy as people think that, that these things are because they they're like oh they too are going to be a cryptocurrency right. as it's not going to be as it's complicated not, it's not as it sounds it's not really a currency the token no. is just what moves back and forth on the on the network to make these transactions happen to basically see, more or to, less to, to basically allow, uh, for example allow people to check that this crypto tag is in fact legit like it doesn't have anything to do with like oh I have to buy a bunch of this stuff to then pay someone and I'm worried about the volatility of my, you know my bonus token and well, you know, whether it's going to be worth a dollar or, or five cents or whatever, it doesn't really have much to do with that. To, I, like I, I agree. I think so. I think that that much the way that you kind of explained recently, like when people use email, like do they know that they're using IMAP technology or, or Pop Three? Pop Three. You know, it's it, no, and we don't need to know, and we're just sending our emails. Right. You know, and, right. and, and, and in a certain sense, I think once. You know this this technology matures a exactly, little bit more. Exactly, it'll 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 sort of recede into the background, and we'll, these and, techie things. And users will be able to enjoy the benefits of it without having to worry about the technical details. Exactly. Uh, and now we have the technical challenge of Uh-oh. killing it again oh on God. big deal, little deal. What's the deal with you? And JP? this week, um. Lexi Alvarez, our other um, creative person. Shout uh, out and, to Lexi and doing a great job designer. here. So B- Silent Barry is in Florida, <laughs> getting buffeted by Tropical Storm Gordon. Or, I hope uh, he's having a great vacation. <laughs> or at least it's remnants. And Lexi is filling in for him as the what the truck producer this week. In fact, um, we're going to even talk about whether or not Tropical Storm Gordon was a big deal or little deal. Just stay tuned here and for another Ooh. couple of moments. Ooh, okay. Um, so okay. <laughs> are you ready to time this, Lexi? 
Okay, and be she's, sure to give us a big applause or big buzzer if we don't make it. Okay, JP, as usual, beginning with you. So, starting now, Dallas, freight volumes drop, West Coast surges. Big deal or little deal? I think it's a big deal. It'll be another week of hangover until we see exactly how much this plays out. But it looks like volumes in LA and Ontario, California are picking up. Exchange helps container lines cut expenses by reducing empty containers transit. Big deal or little deal? It's a huge deal, um, but... You know, because we have to smooth out the head haul and back haul differentials in maritime. It's not going to it's not going to change international freight flows, though. Cargo X CEO smart contracts reduced BOL transfer time to four minutes. Big deal or little deal? I'd say it's a big deal. Um, but my only question is if you could get every member of the supply chain, every part of the transaction to adopt the same software, could you do this without the blockchain? Deutsche Bank starts following six transport companies. E-commerce is a big factor in its ratings. Big deal or little deal? It's a little deal, but I think it's somewhat important because um, it just shows increasing interest in the transportation sector. And hopefully these analysts will be able to explain these stocks better to retail investors. BNSF Intermodal Facility on hold as Port of Los Angeles and City ponder next move. Big deal! The environmental impact report is going to slow the growth in one of our major ports during a capacity crunch. Manufacturing activity surges to a 14-year high as producers shrug off tariff concerns. Big deal! Ain't nothing gonna slow down this economy. One year after Harvey, Tropical Storm Gordon threatens the Gulf Coast. Little deal, it rains some. Offshore wind power stations on the East Coast would bring in 25,000 jobs. Big deal. The economy boost is one thing, but the beginning of our ability to harness wind off the coast is huge. Yes, I made it happen in spite of you going way over. Yeah, yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Great job. Well, I mean, you're you're the closer. You're like the... (laughs) You're like the the fourth person in the four by one hundred relay. Like you have to make up the time. <laughs> but um, hey, way to go! Um, you know, you don't even need notes. You just like you just you're just improv, man. Yeah, well, that's why it's... I suck at it. <laughs> Not at all. All right. Obviously, you can edit out that. <laughs> no, keep it. And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves Conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit marketwaves18.com to learn more about this event. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck. Truck.